Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Good morning. It is Monday, June 19th. It is six minutes after nine. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. His name is Rob Kendall. My name is Casey Daniels. We're glad you're joining us today. So we start the show off with the Biden gaffapalooza because, boy, he was in rare form over the weekend. You're rolling your eyes already. Like, this is our president. Well, we have multiple people running this country who should not be left without adult supervision. I mean, you you have you have multiple people, and we're going to play them for you right here in this segment. Mm-hmm. A sitting U.S. president and a sitting United States senator who, if they were your loved one and you actually cared about them and they were just regular people, you would insist that someone at all times, some in-home care or something, and I'm not trying to be flippant or facetious or anything when I say this, there's no way you'd let John Fetterman, after the clip you're about to hear, or the, and I mean, before this, you know, it's, it's 50 other clips, and the same thing with Joe Biden, the stumbling, the falling, the confused looks, the inappropriate laughter, the sniffing of people's hair, the, the, the stories that are just blatant falsehoods. Mm-hmm. And these people are, are not only walking around on their own. They're they're in charge of the country. Yes. Well, Biden, he was causing an uproar and a little bit of confusion. This was on Friday. Let's start with Friday, shall we? He was at the National Safer Community Summit in West Hartford. This was a gun control reform summit. And he closed his speech asking for a dead person, for support for a dead person. So this goes back to what he did with Jackie Walorski. Yes. And this time, he he was he was calling on the Queen, you know, someone we've declared our independence from. Yes, that's correct. Who's not with us anymore? Right, that's correct. And we fought, we fought a war to get away from that. Right, right. And yes. so, what did our president say? God save the Queen. Now, why is he saying that? Is he not aware? He was invited to the coronation of King Charles the Third. That's right. He, he didn't go yes. because he couldn't make that long overseas trip. But did he forget that the queen is no longer with us? Let's take a listen. All right. God save the queen, man. And then there's your walk-off music as he, you know, looked around confused at to which side of the stage he's supposed to exit. He said that he couldn't shake hands afterwards because there was a storm approaching and he would be unable to shake the hands of the attendees, I'm sure, to their grave disappointment. So again, it comes back to, okay, so let's the queen, obviously, number one, why you as the president of the United States would be saying, God save the queen. I don't know. That's bizarre. But number two, Two, let's just pretend that that wasn't in and of itself highly irregular and weird. She, in a very high-profile fashion, Casey, passed away. It wasn't like something where, you know... It was quiet. I, I haven't seen Claris in, you know, 20 years. Oh, didn't you know Claris passed away a year ago? No, I didn't see the obituary in the county newspaper. That's too bad. 
No, it's the freaking Queen of England who had been there for 70 years. It was a pretty big deal. You may remember a gajillion people went to and viewed the funeral. You were you were uh, invited to go. And then her loser kid, a short time later, in a rather large buildup, was coronated the King of England. A gajillion people also went and viewed. You were invited to go. Yeah. <laughs> he forgot. Slipped his mind. But wait, there's more. On Saturday, he was at another event. He appeared with, oh boy, John Fetterman. They were discussing the Interstate 95 and the reconstruction efforts. And here's the thing that I want you to keep in mind as you listen to this clip. You know, John Fetterman, he was wearing a hoodie, a pair of shorts, sneakers, full of respect. Ronald Reagan said he never he never took his jacket off in the Oval Office out of respect for the position and the office. Can we talk about that real quick before we get into this clip? Yeah. Because you can say, well, you can't pick on this guy because he had a stroke and he's a, he's at a medical condition. He dressed like this long before he had any sort of medical condition other than being a moron. This is the this is what Pennsylvania and this is where it comes back to when you have the mass mail in unaccountable balloting. You're going to tell me even as big a loser as Dr. Oz was. And look, that guy was a total zero. And Trump totally shares in the blame for making him the nominee. But you're going to tell me as big a, a zero as Oz was that people looked at this guy and we're like, that's the better choice. Sign me up for some of that. Mm-hmm. But yet when you live in a state where they just mail the ballots out and you have no idea who receives the ballot, you have no idea who fills out the ballot, you have no idea who collects the ballot, you have no idea who submits the ballot. Well, then you get this guy who, again, even before he couldn't string three words together, still was a totally disrespectful piece of crap to the constituents he was supposed to serve because this is the way he acted when he was mayor of that city in Pennsylvania. This is the way he acted when he was the lieutenant governor. These people are, I mean, they're clowns, Casey. Mm -hmm. They're like sitcom characters. Well, they made a wild pair, didn't they? (laughs) It's very rare that Biden is like, uh, Hold my beer. Yeah, well, the Biden is like, I am the smartest guy on this stage. Uh-huh. And maybe that's why they brought him out there. To maybe, make Biden look better? Maybe they were like, if we just let this guy roll out first, then Biden won't look as bad saying God saved the queen. I don't know if you saw the video of it, but they're standing next to each other, Biden and Fetterman. And Biden just, he's mouth breathing. <laughs> He has this, you know, dazed look on his face as he's just staring off at John Fetterman, who, <laughs> well, let's listen to what he's saying. And now I'm standing next to the president again, next to a, a collapsed bridge here. And he is here to commit to work with the, the governor and the, the, the delegation to make sure that we get this fixed quick, fast as well, too. This is a president that is committed to infrastructure. Yeah, and then on top of that, uh, the the jewel uh, kind of a uh, uh, law of the inflation uh, bill that is going to make sure that there's going to be bridges all across like this, all across the America getting rebuilt. Remember on Friday when we played the uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia clip yeah. of Charlie's mom when they were running the scam where she's supposed to have cancer and doing the give me money, money me, me money now. Mm -hmm. This is another real 
except it's real. And this guy is really a U.S. senator. And I look, we should probably play this again to remind our audience of who is running this country. And I look, you can say, well, it's wrong to pick on this guy. Then he shouldn't be a U.S. senator. Like, if the guy quits and goes and gets help and the treatment he needs, yeah, you're right, it's off limits. But this guy makes choices every single day, or the pe- he doesn't. He doesn't know where he's at or what his name is. I mean, he called Biden a collapsed bridge, uh, you know. <laughs> but yeah, the- Willie made up words. Yeah, right. He, he's trying to say infrastructure at one point, and it doesn't come out that way. And he hates, I mean, this is the thing about Fetterman. He, when he was cognizant enough to know who he was and where he was, he hates people like me. He hates people like you. This guy, it's, you can't feel bad for him because you have a you have a guy who, even when he was cognizant, was a lunatic grenade thrower. And now you have a lunatic grenade thrower who's comparing the president of the United States to a collapsed bridge. Well, before we listen to it again, let's keep in mind that there's at least one person related to one of the parties who said, hey, this is a good idea. Let's put Biden and Fetterman on a stage together with a live microphone. But don't, but don't And everybody you, else signed off on it. But if it is not proof that the Democrats believe they have this election totally in the bag, is this not the most definitive proof that there's almost nothing based on the ballot, the balloting laws in these swing states that they, that, I mean, they almost can't screw it up now. I mean, if you're going to do this, if you're going to put these two morons on a stage together and they're trying to one-up each other for who is the most ridiculous person, <laughs> is that not the just most blatant act of bravado and confidence that it doesn't matter what we do that we can't lose? And in the state of Pennsylvania, they're absolutely right because this guy, let's play it, Kev, this guy was elected a U.S. senator. And now I'm standing next to the president again, next to a, a collapsed bridge here. And he is here to commit to work with the, the governor and the, the, the delegation to make sure that we get this fixed quick, fast as well, too. This is a president that is committed to infrastructure. Yeah, and then on top of that, uh, the, the jewel uh, kind of a uh, uh, law of the inflation uh, bill that is going to make sure that there's going to be bridges all across like this, all across the America getting rebuilt. Now, if you have to drive Interstate 95 to and from work, I bet you're feeling really confident that that's going to get fixed real soon. The jewel. Yes, the jewel. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. It's 21 minutes after 9. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So this was kind of funny. On Saturday, Elon Musk, he begged the White House staffers to give President Biden the password to his Twitter account so that the president could do his own tweets. Musk said, please give him the password so he can do his own tweets. Please, I'm begging you. Now, that would be a stream of comedy and content that I could not pass up. You know, isn't that interesting? Because Elon Musk probably has, uh, like, knowledge, or the Twitter people probably have knowledge of who's, I mean, maybe not the exact person, but they know, like, I'm sure two or three people probably have access to that Twitter account. Oh, I have them. I know. 
Do you want to know their names? Yes, absolutely. Oh, so, so it's it is known who the people are who it is not actually unlike Trump. It was very it was clear. really Trump, right? And you can tell because of the caps sure. and the punctuation right. yeah. that Trump is just blasting this out, right? Well, when you read something from Joe Biden, POTUS, and it says, "Well, folks, yeah, just keep in mind it's not coming from him. Oh, okay, it's coming from Avery Whitehead. Oh. It's coming from Angela Krasnick. Oh, it's coming from Megan Coyne. Yeah, and it's coming from Eric." Ariana Mushnick. Oh, a whole bunch of household names there. Yeah. Uh, well, that was four 30-something women Yeah, pretending to be an 80-year-old man. Isn't that wild? In his Twitter account. Isn't that, I mean, isn't that, it is also another stretch to say, okay, look, there's the, there's the White House Twitter account where you might say, okay, Biden obviously wouldn't be doing that. Sure, he's staffing that out. But his own Twitter account, you would think the President of the United States, who is negotiating you know or should be negotiating or whatever deals with foreign nations nuclear issues funding proxy wars like the like the thing going on in Ukraine I mean would be big decisions that affect many many people right I mean he he is he is cognizant enough to try to uh, say your employer has to fire you if you don't get a vaccine, but yet he can't tweet out 280 characters or less. He probably doesn't even know how to use Twitter. No, I would guarantee. And you then Joe there's Biden Trump. No use Twitter. Then there's Trump, who's embraced an entirely new platform, which doesn't work the same way Twitter does. So, how good? Okay, so there's there's in you say embracing the platform. How good do you think Trump actually is with technology? Like, I obviously do Twitter. I do Facebook, Mm -hmm. but I don't think anybody is going to mistake me for being a Silicon Valley whiz kid. Like, I am capable of doing those things, but I don't do almost anything on my phone of any sort of merit. So I'm not, you wouldn't, I wouldn't be going, boy, Rob Kendall has really embraced technology. Mm -hmm. No, I've just been able to just passively keep up with the technology that, that is necessary for this profession, whatever. That has to be Trump, right? Like he's not fixing computers or setting up servers or he knows how to use Twitter, right? Well, yeah. I mean, kafafe and everything, you know that he's doing it himself at least. Yeah. Uh, Biden, I don't need, could he even figure out how to open the app? No way. There's no way. Like when he tried to explain the app for the air quality a few weeks ago, he was holding up pictures because he like can't even do it. I think it would be awesome. I think they should just turn it over. Like they're like, release the password. He, come on, the password? He doesn't even know where to enter that in. Password? Oh, what does that do? That's how confused this guy is. Hey, I wanted to mention what happened with the Dodgers over the weekend. They hit a 125-year low with a, a blowout from the Giants. They lost 15 to nothing. And this happened the night following that protest outside of the the game. They had those, those nuns there uh-huh. that were dressed up yes. and they were attacking Catholics. And all of the, well, not all of them, but a lot of the Dodgers came out and said, don't come to this game. And God has a sense of humor, spend Casey. Spend your money elsewhere. God has a sense of humor. Uh, as it turns out, the team, the Dodgers, not performing very well. Texas remains the only team in baseball not to host an LGBTQ Pride Night at this point. Well, we've got to review what happened with your U.S. Open oh, it's terrible. championship over what the weekend. What a letdown. All year for that. 
What a what a colossal disaster. Chris Christie was making his round on all of the talk shows as well. So we're going to get to both of those things coming up. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. There she's in the it is 9.32. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Do you want to talk about what we had planned to talk no, about? Fine. you want yes. to talk about that? We'll no. get to that later. Yeah, it's... Uh, am I... Well, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but I think I made one of the most brilliant points I've ever made in the history of ever during this break. Mm-hmm. And I think Kevin is all on board with the just total... Casey, there are sometimes there are things that come from my brain that I don't even <laughs> plan to say, but it's almost as though the words, my brain is moving in conjunction with my mouth mm-hmm. and I am just forming the brilliant thought in real time as the next word is being formulated. <laughs> and I came up... Look, if you have ever wanted to meet a, a, a woman, I, I just came up with the best, most amazing way ever to pull this off. And so later in the show, we'll get to that. Okay, I can't wait to hear it. Let's talk about Chris Christie. He was doing his round on all the talk shows on Sunday. He called the Republican National Committee's requirement for candidates to pledge support and sign an agreement as a useless idea. So does this mean (laughs) that he won't support the nominee unless it's him? (laughs) Selfish. Well, it does sort of... um... If your whole premise is I'm running for president to stop Trump, which is clearly his thing, yeah. and Chris Christie has no chance of being president, he has no chance of being the Republican nominee for president, he's running for a book deal or to see himself on television or become the next CNN, MSNBC, whatever, then it does sort of negate your phony, moral, high horse bullcrap if you say, well, I'll support whoever the Republican nominee is. Well, he said it's just because of Donald Trump that they need to sign this pledge. Like, this would have never happened any other time except because of Donald Trump. Except they did it in 2016, too. And look, if you are running for president of the United States under a party apparatus, right? Like, if I were to ever be suffer some sort of head injury or something that would warp my mental state to run for public office again. (laughs) Desperate times. There is a very, very, very strong chance I would not do it under any of the, under the Republican banner because I don't like most of you people. Mm -hmm. Not you, the people that are rank and file voters, but the people in the politics. Like you people have screwed the state and this country up beyond belief. I don't want to be affiliated with you. Okay. However, if you were running for president of the United States, under a party apparatus, like so Chris Christie could seek as an independent bidder, he could be a libertarian, he could, uh, well, he couldn't be a libertarian, but but the point is, there's a, a whole bunch of different ways you could seek to run for president of the United States. And if you're going to pick a party, then I don't know if it is unreasonable to say, I desperately want to be a part of this group of underachievers and as such I will support whatever underachiever is the likely selection. I'm just wondering if this Republican National Committee pledge is a way to unify the party and then you have people like Chris Christie who's speaking out against it, not only against Trump, but it sounds like against unifying the party to back the nominee. He doesn't want everybody on the same page. But it shows you who these people actually are, right? Like 
the idea, again, whether it's Trump or DeSantis or Tim Scott, and everybody else is just playing to see themselves on television, if it's any of those three people who are the only three who have an actual chance to be the Republican nominee for president, I will vote for any of those people all day, every day, over Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. Why? Because I care desperately about the condition and the future of this country. And I care more about that than I do, I mean, I wouldn't, it's not even my own ego because I think Trump is a mortally flawed candidate who can't win, but it doesn't matter. I'm still going to vote for him because I'm going to do my part to try to make the country a better place. They show you who they are when they won't take that same step. It isn't actually about the country. It's about them. them. The idea that you would think that anything, just take the first segment, Casey. Just pretend we knew nothing about Biden's actual record and what he's doing to the country. How could you say that Donald Trump would not be better than some guy who thinks the queen is still alive? (laughs) Right. Well, you wouldn't. But to these people... Um, I just I can't, I just can't I just don't understand. Well, Chris Christie was attacking Trump, of course. He said no one can do big better than him. Big jokes aside, what are his big plans? Look, I said this when I announced for president. We have been at a crossroads at numbers of times in in our nation's history. 1776, 1861, 1941, 1961, and 1981. Um, In all those years, we had presidents like George Washington, like Abraham Lincoln, like FDR, like JFK, and like Ronald Reagan, who had a choice between going small and going big and doing big things for America. We need a president who, once again, is not looking at this small stuff in the rearview mirror, who's constantly whining and complaining and moaning about how things are unfair. What we need as a party and as a country is a president who will go big, lead America to big achievements and big goals again. And there's nobody, Bob, who can do big better than me. Oh, boy, he just... Uh, am I allowed to say that? Say it. Yeah, there's nobody that can do big better, better than, Chris, than him. Than Chris Christie. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's, I, I guess, maybe embracing the jokes that people are mumbling. But on one side, he's saying he's not going to support whoever the nominee is, Trump. And then on the other side, he's saying that, you know, nobody can do big other than him. Yet he says... He doesn't say what his plans are. You can't run a campaign wholly based on attacking the other guy. Eventually, you got to offer something. What can you do? Oh, nobody can do big better than him. Well, what are your big plans? Just more attacks? Okay, so then he was on CNN, and here he's attacking Trump again, and he points out that Trump has difficulty hiring good people. He calls Trump the worst manager in American history. Uh, So Trump on his social media site is attacking former Trump officials that you know who have criticized him over the indictment. He's saying his former chief of staff, retired Marine General John Kelly, has a very small brain. For some reason, he put brain in quotation marks. He also called Kelly a mummy who sat in his office and stared at the ceiling. Trump called his former attorney general, Bill Barr, a gutless pig, lazy and totally ineffective. What do you make of the comments? Here we go. Well, look, Jake, I stood on the stage in 2016 and heard Donald Trump say he would only hire the very, very best people and he would know how to manage them. But think about 
what happens here. Um, here's what he says about Rex Tillerson when he gets in. He says he's the embodiment of the American dream, former CEO of ExxonMobil. He said when he left, he was what he said about him. He's dumb as a rock and lazy as hell. About General Mattis, four-star general, Mad Dog Mattis, he said he was our very best general and that he was the closest thing we had to Patton. When he left, he said he was the most overrated general in American history. You mentioned Bill Barr and John Kelly already. How about Mick Mulvaney, who was his director of the Office of Management and Budget and his chief of staff? He said he was outstanding and brilliant. And when Mick Mulvaney left, he said he was a born loser. Lastly, how about General Milley? Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, he said he was a great American and a great patriot when he joined the administration. When General Milley disagreed with him and he left, he called him pathetic and a blanking loser. Now look, either Donald Trump, if you believe what he said when they left, that means he didn't pick the very best people and doesn't know how to pick personnel. If you believe what about them, what he said at the beginning, the great stuff, then this guy is the worst manager in the history of the American presidency. Either way, Republicans should listen to what he says. He's a petulant child when someone disagrees with him. So this goes back to what you've said many times yes. on this very program, that Trump is the one who put many of these people in position. And then when they disagree, he turns he turns around and name calls. Well, it's the same thing he got into trouble with trying to make deals with the Democrats. Trump believed, never f- could not figure out, and look, it's in many ways not his fault, but it is if you say you're going to fix all the things. This is not business. In business, two people have a mutual interest in getting something done. And sometimes a business deal is 53 one way, 47 the other, or 49, 51. But you can figure out a way to get something done because people have a mutual interest in getting things done. These establishment people and the Democrats, when Trump was trying to do deals with them, Their only interest was the destruction of Trump. And Trump is a guy who his whole life, because he was rewarded for doing this, believed he could use his platform to publicly boost someone up to get them to the position he wanted them to be at. And that was creating a deal or creating an environment or creating a business you know, mechanism that benefited Trump. Mm-hmm. And so his initial reaction with all these politician people is, I appointed this person. Oh, Ted is the greatest, most brightest, most amazing person in the blah, 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 blah. Well, but that doesn't work in politics. And now you're stuck because you've already called Ted the greatest, most amazing, most whatever. And he, Chris is right. Like, Trump looks like an idiot when he does this. However, I do think it's hilarious because... <laughs> In the dating world, Chris Christie comes off like a guy who is pointing out all the obvious flaws of the guy, the good-looking guy with the huge wallet who the (laughs) women are enamored with. Mm -hmm. And he's pointing out, well, you know, he's a scoundrel and he's a cheater and he's a, you know. Sounds jealous. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing you're going to do to make the woman break up with the, the good-looking guy with the big wallet, because she already knows what he is. Mm-hmm. She already knows he's a cheater and he's a scoundrel and he's going to do her dirty and you know leave her hanging high and dry. So you look like you, Chris Christie. 
They're not leaving guy with the good-looking guy with the six-pack and the big wallet because that's what she wants. Mm -hmm. And the Trump people, they already know all of this. Trust me, Casey, I have tried this ad nauseum. They don't care. (laughs) You You cannot argue logic. You can't point out these obvious things. They just, they don't care. All right, we had the U.S. Open over the weekend, and we're going to talk about that coming up from 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You are listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So the Los Angeles Country Club hosted the U.S. Open first time in 128 years. And Brooks Kepka said he was not a huge fan of the course. And then Matt Fitzpatrick said that he agreed. And you said it was the worst U.S. Open in years. What's the deal? Oh, I mean, there was a lot of hole-in-ones. It was, I was terrible, and I'm so disappointed because this course, the Los Angeles Country Club, so the U.S. Open is, like in other sports, our nation's championship in golf. It is the most famous, most important golf tournament in the entire world. If you are a golf fan, you wait the entire year for this one week. It ends on Father's Day. It always ends on Father's Day. And... Part of the U.S. Open charm is it is at a different golf course every year. Now, there are about seven or eight courses that they are on a regular rotation. Uh, Pebble Beach, Shinnecock Hills, the Olympic Club. There's all these very famous courses that are in the regular rotation. For some reason, even though all of these courses work fine, and this is our American society, right? They, Even though everything is working fine with the seven or eight courses... The USGA, the United States Golf Association, decides they're going to get cute and do some outside-the-box thinking. They have all these historical courses that have hosted these Opens for years. You only get to see them every seven or eight years. And they go with these courses that have never hosted a U.S. Open before. Now, the Los Angeles Country Club has basically, for the most part, never been seen by the public before because it is... Uh, run by some of the richest, most famous people in the entire world. Lionel Richie, they showed his house a whole bunch, literally lives right on the... It's like on the 14th hole. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, it's it's, it's yeah. unbelievable who's who. You can't even really tell people you're a member there. Um, and so this golf course that you had heard about, the nation had heard about for all these years, there's this incredibly old golf course. It was built in the 1800s. It's this... Everybody who's ever played it says it's this amazing golf course. It's never been seen by the public. And so we're going to give them the U.S. Open. So mm-hmm. everybody is super jazzed. Oh, my gosh, there's this old course that guys like Ben Hogan, who you know, these incredible golfers, old-timey golfers who used to play it, used to say how incredible it was. And wouldn't it be great if it hosted a U.S. Open? And it stunk. <laughs> it stunk. Okay, well, Scotty Scheffler said he thought it was an interesting place to play golf. Some of the other players were saying there were blind tees. You couldn't even see the hole. Um, one of them, it might have been Brooks Kepka, said that he was he was bummed out about the crowd. Like, he, he did some awesome thing on one of the holes, and there wasn't a lot of excitement, <laughs> and so, he couldn't hear the crowd, and he, that kind of affected his game. Like, he was trying to be impressive, and he didn't get the applause or the acknowledgement that he was used to, and it affected the way he played. So there's two things that happen. Number one, yes, because of the course setup, because it's such an old course, literally on holes you would have the green 
and then the tee box literally right next to the green. Like you take three steps and you're at the next tee. So there was no place for the fans to be. You couldn't do this and rework the golf course. So there was a very limited supply of fans. So the normal roars and cheers and whatever you didn't get that are associated with the U.S. Open. And the second thing is, and I have no idea why they did this, they made these fairways on many holes wider than public golf course fairways. And so the U.S. Open, the premise of the U.S. Open is you got to hit it straight. It's the great, it's supposed to be the greatest test in golf. And these guys were hitting subpar shots and they were still oftentimes ending up in the fairway. Well, if a pro ends up in the fairway, to quote the late Bill Paxson, game over, man. Mm-hmm. And so they just tore this course apart. I mean, there was a multiple... They broke the record. Multiple golfers broke the all-time scoring record. Now, collectively, it was not the lowest score ever, but it was par is supposed to be the number, Casey. I wait all year. I go through all these goober tournaments where guys shoot 20 under, 25 under, 30 under, and there's one tournament a year where par is the number. If you go on the other side of par, the golfer wins. If it's above par is the final score, the course wins, and that's the challenge. Can any golfer beat this one course one week out of the year and it was just a zawful stunk okay tommy fleetwood he shot 63 in the final round that's impressive did you see the golf that landed in the golf cart no. Oh, you didn't see that? No. I think that happened on Saturday. Somebody shot and the ball bounced and actually well, hit in a golf cart. Well, there, there were multiple times where players were on the tee box because the tee boxes are so close. And at one point, a player got hit. It was just... And we do this all the time, Casey, in society, and it just makes me so mad. Change things that are yes. working. Yes. You have, I mean, next year they're going back to Pinehurst. Pinehurst in North Carolina, one of the greatest, most famous golf courses in the world. It'll be fine. Mm-hmm. It will be fine. Pebble Beach, Shinnecock Hills, the Olympic Club. <laughs> they're all they're all fine. Marion, any of these places. And you have it at this place, and then for some reason they're like, oh, we're going to make it as easy as possible on these guys to just obliterate the scoring record. Cool. Mm-hmm. What about the winner? What was his name? Wyndham Clark? Wyndham Clark. Win- uh, come on, with a first name like Wyndham, it sounds like <laughs> Winthrop. Uh, this guy sounds like he is going to be a professional golfer with yes. a name like Wyndham Clark. No, he was a great story because Sunday, it was interesting, uh, Rory McElroy, who is one of the two or three best golfers in the world, it has been like nine years since he's won a major. He was in hot pursuit. He was in second place. Everybody was, che- the seven people who could attend were cheering for him because <laughs> they wanted to see him win. And then this guy who had, now he has won before, but he, by golf standards, relative unknown to the public, goes out and wins this golf tournament. It was a great story. His mom had passed away of cancer, yeah. dedicating the tournament to her. So that's all fine, but 10 under should not win a U.S. Open, and the USGA should be totally ashamed of themselves. This was a joke, and now i got to wait a whole nother freaking year, Casey, for these guys to get their act together. <laughs> I'm sorry you're so disappointed in the way it turned out, but don't you think that there's something to be said for Wyndham Clark, an American, winning the U.S. Open? Well, this is the great thing about the U.S. Open, is it is open open to anyone. And one of the charming things about the U.S. Open is amateurs get in all the time. Uh, You could get everybody from teaching pros to guys who are just weekend golfers because there is, compared to other tournaments, a very low standard to be able to try and qualify. And you 
see all the time at the U.S. Open, these no-name guys who, while they usually don't win, are in it on Sunday. And this guy, he's not a no-namer if you follow golf, but he would be a no-namer to the public, held it together, and he beat one of the best golfers in the world. And he totally, 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 totally deserves it. Uh, but, man, what a... What a just a stinker. Stop screwing with stuff that doesn't need to be screwed with. You know, you know what else happened over the weekend? Uh, Taylor Swift broke a concert record for attendance over the weekend. Oh, the the most angry, shunned (laughs) women in one place at the same time. How about that? Okay, so she was in her her hometown of Pittsburgh and 73,117 Swifties went to see her on Saturday. What was the number? 73,117. 73,117 women recovering from a bad breakup that's likely their fault that they don't want to own it chose to go have a therapy session together. They that's all, great. They were all in the same place. She played, She sang a lot of songs that she hasn't been singing while she's been on tour. Let, let me guess, Casey. They were about how she went through a bad breakup and even though she'd gone through the same bad breakup about 27 times, <laughs> this one also wasn't her fault. Probably not. The previous record was held by Garth Brooks. He drew a crowd of 72,887 back in 2019. So, regardless of how you feel about her music, Taylor Swift fills the seats. Oh, yes. A lot of, lot of disgruntled women out Broken-hearted there. Broken-hearted people. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Yeah.